Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. How many of you have ever been afraid of the dark? I won't ask how many of you are still afraid of the dark. <laughs> I think it's okay because, you know, even Chuck Norris uh, sleeps with a nightlight. Not because Chuck Norris is afraid of the dark but because the dark is afraid of Chuck Norris, right? All right, that's, that's how that works. That's how that works. Today, interestingly, we're going to be talking about some people that claim to be in the light, but are actually walking in darkness. And in fact, as we see, we're going to see, they're actually kind of afraid of the light a little bit. We understand being afraid of the darkness. What does it mean to be afraid of? Uh, of the light. Uh, we're going to continue not just in the, the Gospel of John, but also looking at a, an event in history where Jesus encounters really two distinct kinds of people, uh, two people groups. Last week, uh, Pastor James walked us through where Jesus encountered this man who had been born blind, been blind his whole life. Um, you think about it, that's a pretty, those of us who have sight probably have a hard time appreciating what it means to be blind physically blind. I mean, to, I don't know how many of you were, were picked on as a kid, but I was picked on as a kid, but at least I could see my tormentors, you know? Um, this guy never saw his parents, who we're going to hear from later in this, in this passage. He, we're, we're experiencing the summer sun now. He could walk out and feel the warmth of the sun, but he could never see anything illuminated by the sun. Can you imagine? Very difficult, very difficult thing. Um, and the weird thing is that Jesus taught us last week that this man was born that way, not because he had sinned or his parents had sinned or anything like that. Jesus says that this extreme difficulty in the life of this guy was for the glory of God. Might sound weird, huh? That extreme difficulty was for the glory of God. And he says, specifically, Jesus says that, and we're going to see in this passage as we get into it today, that this physical blindness that this guy had was specifically for the purpose of Jesus revealing a greater problem, not for just these people that he's going to talk to here today, but for us and for people in general, and that is the problem of spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Not blindness in our eyes, blindness in our souls. So Jesus is going to talk about that again today, uh, where he's going to encounter this other group of people, not the guy born physically blind, but these spiritually blind people. Um, these are the Pharisees, the teachers of Israel. And in our passage, and in sometimes in the New Testament, they're referred to simply as the Jews. So when you read that today, it's talking about these teachers of the Old Testament. In some way, they really had light. They grew up with the Old Testament. They grew up knowing who God is and who what sin was and who they are. And they had even been formally educated, formally, not formally, formally educated in the Messiah that God was going to send to redeem all of mankind. They were looking forward to the Savior, right? So in some ways, they had light in terms of knowledge about God. 
yet they were spiritually blind. So blind, in fact, that this Messiah that they had grew up learning about, and in fact, that they had taught other people about, they, as teachers, were blind to the Messiah who was actually standing right in front of them talking to them. They even said he was evil. They said he was of the devil and should be put to death. These guys are, are, are they're just blind. And so in this passage, we're, I promise we're going to get to it, uh, we see that Jesus is kind of, James said last week he's picking a fight. Indeed he was. He's doing some things on purpose here, and some commentators that I read had noticed some parallels that, that go with John's account of Jesus in the opening sort of introduction to John's gospel, where John talks about Jesus as the creator. Here in this passage, Jesus literally separates light from dark, right? Like we read in Genesis. And here, literally, Jesus puts his hand in the dirt and mixes it with his saliva to create clay, which was used in Genesis chapter 2 to create mankind. And here, Jesus is going to restore or has restored this man's sight doing a very similar thing. And it could be, we don't know, but it could be that he's making some parallels there. He's drawing a picture of himself. Um, and in fact, we do know, at least know, he is claiming to be God in the flesh. God the Son come as a man. Jesus is constantly, in every encounter we see with him in the New Testament, and in our encounters with him in our own lives, he's constantly asking us a question. Who am I? Who, who do you say I am? Who do you think Jesus is? And here Jesus is claiming to be the creator, and he's doing it on purpose. So let's get back into this passage. We'll be in John chapter 9. There's still a ton to unpack here. Before we do, I want us to remember that this miracle was a sign. This miracle that Jesus performed was a sign to confirm the man, namely the God-man, Jesus. He's showing something about himself here. He is God in the flesh. It's an illustration of him. Um, so John chapter 9, verses, 19, uh, verses 13 through 34 is where we're going to read. Jesus encounters the Pharisees. We're going to read through verse 34, so stay locked in, okay? It's a little bit long. 13 to 34. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now time out. Remember last week we learned that Jesus was, quote-unquote, doing work on the Sabbath by healing this guy. And the Pharisees are saying he was breaking the Sabbath because he healed a guy on the Sabbath. Let's continue. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he's opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. <laughs> they would know. They, 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 they would know. Uh, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. 
Now, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ. By the way, the Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one, the long-awaited Savior, right? Anyone that would confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man talking about Jesus, is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples also? <laughs> Guy has a gift of sarcasm, right? We'll see that come up here again in a minute. Um, and they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. It's a pretty solid argument, right? They answered, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. Now, I want you to notice something really important. These guys cannot refute this man's claims about Jesus. So what do they do? They attack the man. That's a very common tactic. Make note of this in your mind, or if you're a note taker, write it down. It's a very common tactic of people who don't want to hear the truth. Rather than refute your argument, they attack you. Right? Notice that. Notice that. It's a very common tactic of people that don't want to hear the truth. Um, again, these guys could see, quote, unquote, to teach everybody else. So how can they be so spiritually blind? How can somebody raised, quote, unquote, in the church be blind? How can you be spiritually blind when you have so much knowledge? So let's go back to the book of Genesis again and be reminded that like these Pharisees, we, you and I, me included, can be spiritually blind. Sometimes our eyes are wide Shut. Eyes wide shut is a phrase used to describe when somebody really knows something to be true, but they refuse to see something that's plainly in front of them, right? That's what eyes wide shut means. It means willful blindness. These guys are willfully blind. Now, if we go back to the literal, historical, very real accounts of our beginnings the God who is real and actually there made people. The first two people's names were Adam and Eve. They're our real first parents. And in that account in history, a very real evil being named Satan came to them and tempted them in the Garden of Eden. And the, you, you, do you remember, those of you who, who may remember this account, do you remember what Satan claimed to be able to do? To open their eyes so that they could know good and evil as God knows. Satan claimed to be able to give them some new spiritual sight that they did not have. 
So now think about it. Adam and Eve really had all the sight they needed, did they not? They walked in unbroken fellowship with God Himself. This is before Adam and Eve fell. They're not separated from God. What more sight do they need? Yet Satan comes to them and says, I can give you sight. That should have been their first clue. So this sight that is offered by Satan is actually darkness. This sight is blindness. This light he offers is actually darkness. So Adam and Eve chose, chose to believe the lie. They knew the truth, but they chose to believe the lie. They have eyes wide shut. They choose not to believe. Um, and this is the tragic reality of where your sin nature and my sin nature comes from. We are very much like them. Um, we all know people like that. We know that we have done things like that. We have known the truth. Choose not to see it. You, you ever been there? Is it just me? I, right? If you're a human being and you're honest, you've been there. You've been, maybe, maybe you are there. The, the book of Romans tells us that by our, our default setting is that we choose to suppress the truth and exchange the truth for a lie. And many of us willingly so. Willingly so. Eyes wide shut. And we see that all around us here. Uh, think about in Asheville. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people who like to, the idea of spirituality, enlightenment, seeking light in all sorts of ways, that except any way that acknowledges the true light, Jesus. Right? So they're seeking light. Think about um, even in pop culture, things that are becoming more popular like secret societies and things like that, Eastern spirituality, Wicca, gurus, whatever. They're all saying, hey, I can bring you light. There's some light that you need that you don't already have, even if you're a Christian and have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. Can you imagine? What more light do you need? Some new experience to give you, or old forgotten way, or, or some way that's been banned by the church or kicked out of the Bible or something like that, right? Uh, remember, Satan is a very real enemy of ours, and he's a master of deception. Jesus called him the father of lies. And when he brings us fake light, it's actually darkness. It's actually darkness. So let's remember what the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. If you're a note taker, you may want to write that, that uh, reference down. Paul says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Big G. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of who? Jesus Christ. So these spiritually blind religious leaders who have been raised to recognize the Messiah are willfully 
blind. And so they interrogate this guy who Jesus, the light of the world, has given sight to. They go to this guy and interrogate him and say, well, what happened? Tell me one more time. And what does the guy do to them? Well, he quotes Amazing Grace. Actually, Amazing Grace quotes this guy, right? He says, "Um, I once was blind, but now I see. So sometimes our eyes are wide shut, but grace is available. Um, I want you to consider the privilege that this previously blind guy has. Does he have any formal religious training? Not that we know of. Does he know? Has he been to seminary? Or not that we know of. Yet, he's, he's had the blindness removed from his eyes, and he is having an opportunity to witness to Jesus' interrogators and his interrogators. He's given his testimony. Is he not? He said, listen, I don't know. I don't know any any of that, but I know that I was blind and now I see. At at the end of the day, that's all he knows and that's all he cares about. Listen, uh, Jesus gave me sight. Why don't you talk to him, right? Um, So this guy's physical slavery To blindness his whole life is something he could not get out of, yet someone outside of that blindness came and gave him sight and set him free physically. And here in just a minute, that same Jesus is going to set this man free spiritually by giving him new life. Um, I want us also to be reminded of John chapter 3. We've we've referred to it several times as as we walk through the gospel of John here. But if you're a note taker, you may want to write down John chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. I think those are coming up on the screen. Um, If they're not, you can listen to me. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Do you hear that? Let me read it one more time. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Jesus is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. So these Pharisees judge both this man who had been blind and Jesus as being sinners, yet it's their own sin that is keeping them from seeing the light, keeping them from choosing to see the light. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus today, think about your own situation um, it, when you first became a follower of Jesus. You may have faced persecution by non-Christians, people calling you whatever name, because you had now become a Christian. I've told this, I think I've told this story in here before, but my wife um, was an atheist, uh, pretty loud about it. I was her neighbor. Uh, she's vocal to me, at least. Uh, I don't believe in your, you know, the old man with, in, in the sky with a beard. I'm like, well, me either. Fantastic. Uh, but she, um, when she became an atheist, her family was concerned about it. Like, man, she's, 
she's an atheist. She's going to become immoral or, you know, whatever. Well, fast forward a few years, and she becomes a Christian. Now, guess what? She's too Jesus-y. She's kind of Jesus-y. So we don't want you to be an atheist, but that whole Jesus thing, man, I don't, I don't know about the whole Jesus thing. And maybe you faced something like that as well. People may have even said, oh, well, haven't you just seen the light? Well, actually, I, I have. I have. Um, so the reason that, that they can't see Jesus for who he is is because they were blinded by the light. They were blinded by it. The question for you today is, are you blinded by the light? Let me give you an illustration of what I mean by being blinded by the light. Imagine if you're walking down a highway, it's pitch dark at night, and there's a tractor and trailer coming at you, right? Lights full on, high beams. How do you react? Like, right? You can't see a thing. You are blinded by the light. Listen to me, because you are walking in the opposite direction of that light. You are opposing the light. Therefore, that bright, blaring, glaring light blinds you. Now, what if that tractor and trailer were to pause? You got in the cab and became a passenger in that tractor and trailer. Now what would the light do for you? You are going in the same direction. You are carried on by the source of that light, and that light makes you see everything clearly. You're no longer blinded by it. You can now see by that very same light that was just blinding you. Many people are like that. When you first get saved, man, you're on, you're on what Christians call on fire for Jesus, right? I want to tell everybody the gospel. It's changed my life, man. Jesus saved me. He forgave me. I didn't think anybody could love me or let alone wash away my sin and thought, deed, and motive. But Jesus has done that. I want to tell the world. Right, And so when you, with your new changed life, you're not, you're not sinless, but you sin less, right? You are, you're on the right trajectory now. When people see your new changed life, that light shining out of you, sometimes they're like, would you turn that stupid light off? They don't want to hear it. They certainly, they may not even want you around because the light exposes things. The light exposes things. And so they're like, would you please turn the light off? It hurts their blind spiritual eyes. Um, and some of us, even Christians, in some instances, can be, can be blind to the light. Remember, uh, Pastor James talked to us last week about blind spots we can have. So we, we may be enlightened, we may be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but we are still sinners all of us, 100% of us are, uh, John tells us in one of his letters to the church, if you say that you have no sin, that you, then the truth is not in you. You're a liar, right? All of us can have blind spots. And in those cases, those blind areas of our lives, we love darkness rather 
than the light. Else we would let Jesus in there and remove that, wouldn't we? So we must love darkness rather than light in those cases. Listen, Jesus only comes to us on His terms. He comes as Savior, yes, hallelujah. But when we accept Him as Savior, we also accept Him as King Jesus, mighty to save, right? And so that's how He comes to us. And if we oppose Him in that area of our life, we are being unwilling to submit to Jesus' really good kingship. Then we're calling Him king out of one side of our mouth and telling Him no out of the other. We're hypocrites. And so Jesus would have us walk in the light. He would have us turn to Him. Ultimately, it comes down to the fact these guys were willingly blind. Uh, they certainly didn't want Jesus as king. And it's that king part. We want the Savior part. That's good. Get rid of my sin. Uh, but the king part is what we have trouble with. And that's certainly what these guys had trouble with as well. So let's look at the end of this encounter uh, Jesus has uh, between this man who had been healed from blindness and with uh, the Pharisees, verses 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you've seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Now listen to this man's response. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Pause. What's this man's response to Jesus? Worship. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Now some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Pause. What's their response to Jesus? They're incredulous. They're like, you can't be talking to me. And they don't even get that Jesus is talking about spiritual matters. They're still on the physical blindness thing. Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you'd have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Jesus is kind of getting to the heart of this thing, isn't he? And he turns to them and turns to us and asks, are you willing to believe? Jesus asked the guy, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man who now sees says, Lord, I believe. The Pharisees who literally had the light of God's Word their entire lives and were teachers of the Word of God to other people, said, well, surely you're not calling me blind. And Jesus turns to them and doubles down, spiritual throat punch right here. He says, if you were blind, you'd have no guilt. But now that you say we see, and so your guilt remains. Um, Jesus here is referring to this willful component. Of blindness. He says, in a sense, they're not blind. In a sense, they've seen Jesus' miracles right in front of their eyes. They're undeniable. But they choose to reject him. And so Jesus says, they're without excuse. Claiming to see, they're actually blind. And because they choose not to see, they're going to stay blind. 
So let me ask you this morning, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of Man? What that means is, are you willing to submit to the truth about Jesus? And when he says Son of Man, that means God the Son come as a man, the Messiah, to bear our sins on on to bear our sins on himself on our behalf so we could be made right with God. How do you answer that question? What do you think about Jesus? Um, The way you answer that puts you in one of three categories this morning. So you can listen to these and kind of feel out where you fit in. Maybe for the first time ever, maybe this morning over the past few weeks or the past month or so, You've been hanging around these people that have been filled with the light and it has exposed some of your own thinking, some of your own living. And over these weeks and months, maybe you've heard the truth about Jesus. And for the first time, you're like, I I see that I've been spiritually blind. Jesus, I truly believe, is opening my eyes. Maybe you would submit to him today. He offers you himself, man. He offers you true light and life and forgiveness and wholeness and restoration and eternity with him. My advice to you this morning is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. The second category, um, maybe you think you can see spiritual truth without submitting to Jesus. That, that might be some of us. Um, and I, I, um, I want to tell you as lovingly as I can. Um, if you believe that you can see spiritual truth without Jesus, you're blind. You're spiritually blind. And without repenting, what the Bible calls repenting, is just an about face, turning away from your own spirituality to, to Jesus. Without doing that, you're going to remain spiritually blind. I'm telling you that because I love you. And Jesus loves you. He wants to set you free. The third category is maybe you're a follower of Jesus. um, And you know that the gospel is penetrating your life, man. and, And the Holy Spirit of God, by His gracious love for you, is constantly opening up areas of your soul And saying, do you see that? Won't you let me take that from you? That's that's hindering you. You may not feel it, but I love you. And that thing in there is displeasing to me. Can I take that? And you find yourself maybe like grasping onto that thing, whatever that thing is. You ever felt the Holy Spirit kind of like just press in on something or bring something to your mind and you feel the weight of how that looks to God, man, listen, guilt is your friend if it's guilt about something that's real, okay? The reason the Lord allows you to feel that is so he can lift that weight of guilt off of you. He exposes that and says, look at that. Look at that. And what we should do is get on our knees and humbly look at that. Say, Jesus, help me to hate that thing the way you hate it. It's yours. Give it to you. So, Maybe you're in one of those three categories this morning. Real talk, if you're a Christian, how are you walking? I realize that most of us would say that we're followers of Jesus, so I would ask you, how are you walking? 
Are you walking as children of light? Let's look at Ephesians 5, the last passage we look at today. Ephesians 5, 6 through 16. Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the, unharm, uh, the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So we've come to a portion of our time together where it's time for you as a human being before their creator to do business with God. This is an amazing thing. God lets us talk to him. Like you can do that right now. You can talk to God and respond to his word. Do you need the light of the world? Do you need Jesus? Has God revealed to you your, your need for Jesus, for forgiveness, for wholeness, for a new start, for relationship with God? Heaven when you die, whenever that will be. Man, run to Jesus. Run to him. He can save you. He alone can save you. Are you already a follower of Jesus? And Jesus is graciously exposing something to you. Same advice. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He loves you. The um, Lord's Supper is something that we do every week, and it illustrates why you can run to Jesus. See, we have as our default setting as human beings that we are rebels to God. How many of you have little children and know that they come out sinners? You don't have to teach them to do the wrong thing, right? You got to fight that tide their entire lives, right? We're sinners, man. Young, old, we're sinners. We're rebels to God. But God in his goodness, while we were yet sinners, sent God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus, to be born as a man. He added humanity to his divinity. He stayed God, but he became a man. Why? For the express purpose of placing himself on the cross. Because, and why did he put himself on the cross to die? Because sin, check this out, sin is a capital crime. Sin, what you would call little, small, big, sin it's a capital crime because it's against the author of life. And he's perfect and holy. Sin's a capital crime. Jesus got on the cross to take your capital punishment for you. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. 